verse 12, the Bible said, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. The New Living Translation says it like this. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. I want to preach and teach for a little while this morning on let's become prisoners of hope. Let's become prisoners of hope this morning. You see, we have all heard that negative statement that says, don't get your hopes up. But I say, get your hopes up. Because God has a plan for your life. I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for every person sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. You see, it says here in Zechariah that if you become a prisoner of hope, God will restore back to you double what you lost. How many times have you begun to inventory your life and you begin to look at things that's happened and you felt like that you were robbed or you felt like that you lost something or you felt like something was stolen from you. You felt like something was taken from you prematurely that you never really reached your potential, that you never really saw the greatest out of what you were hoping would happen. How many can just lift your hands and say, I, I've done that, I, I, I've been there, I know what it's like to feel like you've been shortchanged and to feel like life has thrown you a curve. What does it mean to be a prisoner of hope? It means that hope surrounds your heart and mind. Everywhere you look, you see hope and possibilities. You may have been through the disappointments. You may have even caused those disappointments. But why don't you get your hopes up? Believe that God has another plan for your life. Why don't you believe that your best days are still out in front of you instead of behind you? Why don't you believe that the greater things are ahead of you instead of you already experiencing the greatness of God? Remember this. You can't have faith if you don't first have hope. If you will become a prisoner of hope, your faith will begin to ignite and there, be, there will be no limits to what God can do in your life. But you first of all must become a prisoner of hope. You see, sometimes you may need to step out of another prison before you can become a prisoner of hope. You might say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? You're telling us to come out of one thing and go into another thing. What do you mean? Maybe you're in an emotional prison. You may not have thought about it that way, but if you're holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone who's wronged you, whether it was 5 or 10 or even 20 years ago, 
that's an emotional prison. The Word of God promises that if you step out of that prison and become a prisoner of hope, God will restore back to you double for your trouble. How many needs a double blessing this morning? Oh, you've been fighting the devil long enough. You've been under attack long enough. Everything's been going wrong long enough. I'm ready for a double blessing. I'm ready for double for my trouble. Oh, the devil's been on the war path, but God's got a blessing and going to double it for everything that the enemy has tried to bring against us. You see, that means if someone does you wrong, instead of getting negative and bitter, your attitude should be, they just did me a favor. They just qualified me for a double blessing. Oh, I know it's hard to think about things that way sometimes because when people do us wrong, the first thing we want to do is, I'm going to get back at you. Your day's coming. Every dog has their day, and I've got your number. But that's not what God said. He said, if you'll put it behind you, if you'll walk in, in my glory, if you walk in my hope, if you walk in me and, and forgive and forget and go on and realize that the negative that hit your life, the hurt that came upon you, just put you in line for a double blessing. That's what we need to think about this morning. You see, that kind of an attitude will make you a prisoner of hope. When you're a prisoner of hope, you simply can't stop hoping. You're locked in. You're locked into that attitude that says, I will not be defeated. I had a man stop by the center yesterday as we were working out there on the metal. And, 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 and he looked at me and he said, Preacher, he said, I don't know what I think about you sometimes. I'm standing there in my work clothes, my work boots, my camouflage jacket. I'm layered up. It's 40-something degrees. I've got a ball cap on. He looked at me to begin with. He said, oh, it's you. I said, yeah, I'm incognito today. He said, I don't know what to think about you. He said, you're the most determined preacher I've ever met. He said, every time I turn around, you're doing something down here on this building. You're trying to do something to get more guys in this center. You're trying to get people delivered. You're trying to get people healed. There's more things that's happened in your life in the last 15 years that you could have, you could have had the right to have backed up and said, I quit. I put forth my best effort, and I'm just going to give up. I'm going to give in, and I'm going to quit. He said, you're the most determined preacher I've ever met. Maybe the most stubborn. I don't know. But you're the most determined. But I got news for you. I come too far to back up now. We got too many people to win. We got too many people to see delivered. We got too many people to see healed. I believe that God has put us here for a purpose and a time such as this. I believe God still got a plan. I believe He's still got a plan. But you have to become a prisoner of hope. To realize there's a plan in the midst of adversity. Oh, it looks impossible. I know that my God can do any, anything. I know He can do the impossible. You see, when you're a prisoner of hope, you look at those who have wronged you and you say, I'm not worried because I know that God is my vindicator. 
Oh, it may take a while, but in due season, I know I'll reap double for my trouble. I'll hang on to my hope. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get discouraged. And I believe this morning God put this message in my heart for some people in this service that's right on the verge of saying, what's the use? I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of going through a struggle. I'm tired of struggling all the time. I'm tired of everything being hard. I never get a break. I never get a breakthrough. I want you to know, God said, I got a blessing for you. I got a double blessing if you'll just hang on. You see, that gives us the strength to stand in the place of hope. Knowing that you'll come out with twice the peace, twice the joy, twice the victory if we'll just hang on to our hope. When we look back in the Old Testament, we find that the children of Israel knew what it was like to hang on to your hope. When you look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17, it said, I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what God told the children of Israel. They had been in slavery for 430 years. They were mistreated. They were forced to work in terrible conditions. But God said to them, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery. He said, I promised. I will bring you up. And out of your mystery, of your misery. I believe there's two keys to this promise. There's two words up and out. In other words, you have to get up before God can bring you out. Change always starts on the inside. It doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve or what you're going to do, whether you're trying to just go forward in life or you're trying to step out into a new ministry or you're trying to step out into a new thing in life or a new relationship or something new that God's brought into your life. It all starts on the inside. You have to make up and have a determined heart that you're going forward. It all starts on the inside. If you don't do your part and get up on the inside, get up in your attitude, get up in your hopes, in your expectations, and in your vision, then God won't turn things around in your life. you got to get up on the inside. You've got to make up your mind that even though things are falling apart, even though things hadn't went the way I wanted them to go, even though things hasn't turned out the way I hoped they would, I'm going forward anyway. I refuse to lay here and be depressed. There's an order to how God works in our lives. God says, get up, expect good things, stay full of hope, and then I can turn things around. According to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 1 and 20, he said, according to my earnest expectations and hope. According to my earnest expectations and hope. We need to let this story be an example to us to encourage us to rise up and say, I know God has good things in store for us. Why don't you turn around and look to the person next to you and say, God's got good things in store for you. You see, he's a God of justice. I believe my payday is on its way. 
That's how we activate God's power by believing and staying full of expectancy. Hebrews 11 and 6 said, But without faith it's it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. He said in Hebrews 10 and 23, He said this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. I want to remind you this morning that the one that has made you promises is faithful. He's God. He's never let you down. He's never forsaken you. He's never left you. He's never went off and forgot about you. God's always been there, even when it seemed like He was the farthest away you see some of us need to stop walking around with that weak defeated attitude and you need to get some fire back you need to get some zeal back when trouble comes we need to get mad at the devil I didn't say get mad at your mate I didn't say get mad at the preacher I didn't say get mad at your Sunday school teacher I said, we need to get mad at the devil. We need to get mad at him and take on that warrior spirit that says, I've been through everything the devil can throw at me and I'm walking through a valley right now, but I'm determined that I'm not going to stay here because God is going to bring me out. You see, that's the problem. There's some of you sitting here this morning that you're in a valley right now. You're in a valley of decision. You're in a valley of depression. You're in a valley of making decisions. You're in a valley of being on the verge of stepping from your old life to your new life. You're on the verge of stepping from negative to positive. And the transition is scary. The transition is overwhelming. The transition sometimes looks impossible. But when you stop trying to rationalize everything... And figure everything out and you make up your mind I'm trusting in the God that has never let me down never forsaken me and even though I've only known him a short time I believe in him I know he's real and I know he'll come through that's what we've got to do we've got to make up our mind I'm not going to live in this valley that I'm dwelling in You say, oh, but pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how I feel. You don't understand how the odds are stacked against me. You don't understand how everything is depressing. You don't understand how many people has wrote me off their list. You don't understand how many's gave up on me. You don't understand how how many people said, I'll never do anything with my life. Yes, I do. I understand that. Because I was there. I was there. I've been through it. I know what it's feel, it feels like to always have negative words spoken against your life with no expectations of ever accomplishing or doing anything. I understand that. I can't tell you the number of people that said, Oh, that boy, that Kimberly boy, he won't ever amount to nothing. His daddy was an alcoholic and he'll be an alcoholic all his life. He won't never amount to anything. And then you, you start considering his uncles. They ain't nothing but dope heads and drunks and, 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 and whoremongers and all them. That's all he'll ever be. I made up my mind when I met Jesus, I wasn't going to be that way. 
I made up my mind that was my old life. That was the old Kimberly boy. That was the old redneck boy. That was the old boy that did all those things. I'm a new creature in Christ, and all things have become new in my life. I'm not that person. I'm not bound to my past. I've got a future, and I've got a hope, and I'm keeping on going toward it. I refuse to let the enemy hold me back, keep me down, or hinder me from reaching my destination. God has a purpose and a plan. I know who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God who is a mighty God. He's he's living on the inside of me. Greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. Therefore, I'm a victor and I'm not a victim. Oh, bless him. He was raised by an alcoholic father, and he had drug addict uncles, and he did all those things. Bless his heart. I don't want your pity. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I'm not a victim. I left being a victim a long time ago. I left that behind me. I'm a victor. I've overcome. I'm not that person. I'm victorious because I have hope in an eternal God that's never failed. That's why I have hope this morning. Therefore, I'm a victor and not a victim. As this story continues to unfold, God brings the plagues upon the land of Egypt and Pharaoh decides to let the children of Israel go free. Within, within its, that within itself was a miracle. He had already refused several different times, I will not let you go. But when God was finished, when he brought the last plague, he said, I want you to leave. I need you to leave. Please leave. I want you to go. I'm sure they were excited about being free. But we need to remember that God never brings us out the same way we came in. Now I'm fixing to take you somewhere and I want you to listen to me this morning. He told the Israelites to ask the Egyptians on their way out for their gold and their silver. God gave the Israelite people a harvest of blessings. Exodus 12 and 35 said this, The people of Israel did as Moses had instructed them and asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. God caused the Israelites to have favor with the Egyptians and they freely gave their former slaves whatever they asked for. What's going on? These are slaves. These are people that was under bondage. These are people that served us for 400 and and, and something years. Why did God instruct them to do this? God was paying them back for 430 years of back pay of working as a slave. I don't know about you. I got some back pay coming. It ain't my unemployment. It ain't Social Security. It ain't SSI. I got some back pay coming from the Lord. God's going to bring some back pay in my life. 
they were getting everything they rightfully deserved. Isn't it great to know that God is the keeper of the record and God's the one keeping the record and He knows how much sacrifice you've been through. He knows how much hardship you've been through. He knows how many heartache you've been through. He knows how many tragedies has hit your life. And God says, I'm going to give you double for all the things the enemy's brought against you. Woo! I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I'm glad that nothing gets by God. That's why you don't have to worry that you're not going to get what belongs to you when people do you wrong. You just have to keep believing, keep living a life of obedience and doing your very best. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. He said in Hebrews 10 and 22 in part A of that verse, he said, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't get weary while doing good. Don't get tired. Don't get exhausted. Don't get to the point you're ready to quit. Don't give up. You're on the verge of something good happening in your life. As you do your very best, you stay true to your calling. You can be sure that God's keeping records. And He'll give you double for your trouble. As we keep following this story, it brings some questions to my mind. Why would God tell his people to take the Egyptian silver and gold? After all, where they were about to go in the wilderness, there was no grocery stores. There was no shopping malls. Oh, I should have heard a sigh from some of you. It seemed like it would just be more stuff that's going to burden them down and more that they got to deal with. But God instructed them to do something special with the harvest they receive. And I want you to pay attention to this. I've read this story a hundred times, and this jumped off the page at me. Exodus chapter 3, verse 22 said this. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and find clothing from her Egyptian neighbors from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these. <laughs> Stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. I had never paid any attention to that verse. God instructed them to put silver and gold on their children. Why would God tell them to do such a strange thing? Why would He tell them to do that to their children? God wanted to change the way they saw themselves, and He was changing their vision of who they were going to be. Think about it. All these children had never had ever known was heartache, suffering, lack, the pain of slavery, 
I can see them as they called their little daughter over. And they put a beautiful gold necklace around her neck. And how that must have made her feel and how her eyes got big and how a glow came on her face and a smile went from ear to ear and how she said, oh, how beautiful. I've never seen anything like this. I can see her standing up tall. I can see a new sparkle in her little eyes. Then they called their sons over and they put gold rings on his fingers. And maybe some of them for the first time began to put their shoulders back. They had been so beaten down and constantly told they would never amount to anything. Now they start to see themselves in a different position. I believe the reason God had them to put valuables on their children is so they would develop a new image of themselves. And that brought a stirring question to my heart. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? When those children looked at each other, they didn't see themselves the same way. They didn't see themselves as poor and defeated anymore. Little by little, they got rid of their slave mentality and they started seeing themselves as the head and not the tail, as being above and not beneath, as being victors and not victims. How do you see yourself today? How do you see yourself? Has the enemy convinced you that you're powerless and that you're weak and you're puny and you're faithless and you'll never do anything for God and you'll never see any blessings in your life? Is that what he's convinced you of? Has he told you that you are faithless and you'll never make it as a Christian? All of these things are nothing but lies the devil wants you to believe so that you'll never have the faith to accomplish what God's called you to do. It's not about taking you out. It's not about killing you. It's just discouraging you enough that you never go forward in God. I got a surprise for you. God don't care how many times you come to church. He don't care how many times you shout. He don't care how many times you come to the choir and sing songs. He don't care how many times you come and sit and listen to sermons. As long as you never do anything with it, and it never penetrates your heart, and you never realize that you're a victor and not a victim. He don't care. You can come buck, shout, run, fuse, jump, chairs, do anything you want to do. As long as you never do anything for God, that's what he's trying to accomplish. He wants to kill your vision of who you are in God. But saying that, I say this. I want to take a moment to remind you who you are. God designed you to win. He created you to be the head and not the tail. You were made in His own image. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were filled with gifts in your mother's womb. You were a recipient of grace. You are a child of the King. You are more than a conqueror. You are an heir to God's kingdom. You are a joint heir with Jesus. You are a living testimony. You are a lively stone. You are a burning ember. You are a voice of prophecy. You are proof of the resurrection. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the empty vessel that carries the oil of God's anointing. You are the light of the 
the world. You are the salt of the earth. You've been engrafted into the true vine. You've been given a unique personality. You've been made distinctly different in and, and every other creature in the universe. You are made in the image of God. You did not derive from apes. If you want to believe that, that's okay. I didn't. I look like my daddy. I look like my father. I look like the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love the Lord this morning. You are the one that Satan fears. You are your destiny. You and your destiny are a demon's dread. You have been given your own harvest. Your father is the creator of the universe. Your elder brother is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Your God through life is the spirit of the living God. Your name has been written down in glory. You've been bought with a price. Your destiny has been purchased on Calvary. Your pardon has been signed in blood. Your victory has been guaranteed by the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Your steps have been ordered by God. Your body has been assigned to resurrection. Your soul and spirit are eternal. Your future is heaven. You've been destined to rule and to reign with Christ. Your hope is not in this world alone. Your home is in heaven. Your path is straight. Your God is king. Your future is secure. Your race is almost won. Your finish line is just in sight. You're coming into the season of blessings and favor of the Lord, God is telling you to see yourself in a new light. See yourself the way He sees you. You are the apple of His eye. This morning, could somebody give God praise in this place? When you talk about becoming a prisoner of hope, you can't help but think about Brother Job. All the things he went through, but he never lost his faith. When you inventory what he lost, it makes you ask the question, how in the world did he keep the faith? The Sabans raided and stole all of his oxen, his donkeys, and killed his servants. Fire from heaven fell and burned up all of his sheep and all of his shepherds. Then three bands of Chaldeans stole all of his camels and killed his servants. Then another messenger came with the news that all of his children were, eat, were, were eating together at the elder son's house when a strong wind blew down the house and killed all of his children. Then his body became covered with sore balls from the, his head to his feet. He sat in sackcloth and ashes, scraping his sores. Then his wife looked at him and said, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? But Job's said you speak as a foolish woman though he slay me yet I will trust him no matter what comes Job 19 and 25 said for I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth and after the skin worms has destroyed this I know that in my flesh I shall see God he was saying I'm going through something and this body's under attack but it ain't going to take me out because in this flesh I'm going to see God so in other words, I'm going through sickness, but it ain't forever. I'm getting up. I'm coming out of this place. I'm doing better. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be restored. I'm going to overcome whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me. Job's faith never wavered. 
He never lost his hope in God. Job 1 and 22 said this, In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Don't make the mistake of blaming God because things didn't work out in your life. God's trying to get you on the right path if you'll trust Him. We must be like Job and believe that no matter what comes against us, no matter how unfair things may seem to be, God is shifting things in our favor. There's a shift coming in your life. And I want to, I want to say this. Every time that you're on the verge of a shift coming into your life, that's when the enemy is going to fight you the hardest. Every time you're on the verge of being blessed by the best is when the enemy is going to fight you the hardest. Why? Because the promises of God does not fail. You can't stop it. You can't reject it. You can't hold it back. When God promises you something, He's the divine. It can't be stopped. So how does the devil stop the blessings of God from coming into your life? Causing enough discouragement in your life for you to say, I quit. I ain't doing this anymore. I give up. I'm tired. I've had enough. It's over. It's done. I quit. Let somebody else do it. That's the only thing that will hold you back from stepping into the blessings of God is when you give up on what God promised you. Don't give up on what God's got in store for you. Look at how God restored Job, and I'm about to close. Job chapter 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three daughters. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Before I close this message, I want to iterate on something. Every time we read this story, we get all upset at Job's wife because she said, why don't you just curse God and die? You need to realize that this is a woman that just lost all of her children. She had a right to be upset. We don't need to look with a critical eye about Miss Job. She had every right in the world to be angry. Her children were just killed. She was seeing all of her wealth being gone. She saw her husband sitting with sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet in sackcloth and ashes. She was afraid her future was in jeopardy. Was Job very compassionate in his answer? No, he wasn't. But we don't need to be critical toward Miss Job because she had her future at stake. And I'm going to say this, guys, and y'all might as well buckle up because it's going to hit you right between the eyes. Miss Job's not the priest of the house. Job was. 
She wasn't supposed to be Miss Super Spiritual. Job was. Job was the one that restored the house. You say, well, he wasn't very nice to Miss Job when he told her you speak like a foolish woman. Well, they had about ten more kids together. I believe they didn't have a problem. <laughs> Woo! That's all right. Y'all don't have to shout. It's okay. Job lived a long, full life. The kind of life that God offers to each of us as we completely put our trust in the Lord. God blessed Job with double for his trouble. God wants to do the same thing for you. God is shifting things in your favor. Whether it feels like it or not. This is one of those times that you have to make up in your mind and your spirit. Not by what you see with your eyes. Your eyes may only see distraction of defeat, but your heart says, because God's promises are true, I'm about to have a shift in my life. I'm about to have things turn around in my life. I'm about to have blessings in my life. There's about to be double blessings in my life because I've been through so much hell. There's things coming in my life because the enemy has attacked me so hard. There's double for my trouble. Remember, every setback is simply a setup for a comeback. Don't be discouraged this morning. But know that God's trying to put you in a position to where He can bless you double. Yes, life may have turned out different. My dream as a 12-year-old boy was that I was going to be a professional NBA basketball player. Not considering that I was only 5 foot 11. Not considering that I couldn't jump very high. Not considering that my skill level wasn't that good. Even though I was okay. But I'm not disappointed that I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm a leader. I'm a spiritual head in God's army. God put me in the place I'm in. And the blessings that I get to experience are not always financially in my bank account. But it's through the blessings of people's face as I see the anointing light their life up. And I see hearts changed. And I see people walk out of darkness into light. I see people walk out of depression into joy. I see people leave old things that's hindered them and step into a new life where they've got a future and a hope. That's more important to me than the cheering crowds of an NBA basketball game. That's more important to me. I love the Lord this morning. Become a prisoner of hope.